Welcome to the Red Shirts Dynasty Podcast, a Ball Blast football production. Here are your hosts, Matthew Betts, Matt Okada, and John Helmkamp. Welcome back in to the Red Shirts Dynasty Podcast. Of course, part of Ball Blast Football, Matthew Betts, Matt Okada, and John Helmkamp. Back with you all after week eight. We're on to week nine, boys. And there's only two good things to say about this past week. One is the Eagles are in first place, which is great. The okay. Seahawks are in first yeah. place, which hey, is also great. Doing? And the Patriots are absolutely horrible. And I oh, love hey. it. Hey. I absolutely love it. Okada, how you doing, man? You hanging in there with your uh, <laughs> your team that's worse than the Dolphins? Which is funny because yeah, you guys have the um, same record, don't you? Don't talk about that. <laughs> well, the Eagles have a tie, technically. <laughs> Um, you know, it would be a lot worse if I didn't get all my desired fantasy results last week. It was the first time all year that I've won in all the leagues I wanted to win and lost in the league that I'm trying to rebuild in. Sure. Because the first couple of weeks I won, but also won in that league. So that made the suckiness of the Patriots a little bit more manageable. Uh, but it's not pretty out there. It's not great. <laughs> not yeah, great, sorry Bob. about that. You know what they should do? They should put Jared Stidham in instead of Cam Newton like they should have done in week one, like I told them to. Apparently, Bill is not listening. Useless. But they did trade for it, no. a very high-profile receiver today, which we'll talk about This is very true. in a few yes. minutes. John, how's it going, man? How's it going? Uh, you know, uh, I got the one seed in the NFC halfway through the season. Uh, feels good. Feels good. We're looking at a first-round bye in the NFC Championship game at the Clink. Uh, so things are things are shaping up pretty nicely for Seattle, gotta say. Um, kind of disappointed they didn't add another pass rusher today. I know they got Carlos Dunlap uh, last week, which was uh, really nice. Uh, but I was really hoping that they can get Takaris McKinley away from Atlanta. But it sounds like Atlanta wasn't willing to move on that. So we'll just have to uh, play the defense like we played this last week, which was phenomenal. So I'm uh, I'm liking things. Things are good. Love it. Life is good. Uh, we are mm-hmm. on to week nine. We're going to talk a little bit about some takeaways, some stock up, stock down from week eight, and then what to look out for in week nine. Before we do, I just got to give a quick shout out to James Madison University, my alma mater. Of course, I'm wearing the shirt. Shout out to Ben DiNucci, man. Did you guys watch the game on Sunday Night Football? Looked great. Ben <laughs> Looked absolutely great. <laughs> Such a bad <laughs> game to watch. Oh my gosh, that was miserable. But this week he we get a, a... so bad. A much more exciting game on Sunday Night Football. We get Drew Brees and Tom Brady, which will be great. But we'll get into that in a second. Before we do, a reminder to everyone, you can find us on social media at Pod. You can also follow the Ball Blast account at BallBlastFB. And check out the website, BallBlastFootball.com. You can find some merch on the site. You can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash BallBlast. All right, boys, let's get into the news. I got great news, guys. Oh, oh. Well, the trade deadline was not that fun, but we did have a couple of moves. Uh, some that may be relevant to, to us. We're not really sure what it's going to shake out, but regardless, let's talk about that exciting wide receiver acquisition from the Patriots just one year later after signing Mohamed Sanu, or trading, I should say, for Mohamed Sanu for a second round pick. A <laughs> what a terrible trade. They went out and got Oops. Isaiah Ford from the Dolphins, which is a bit rare. You don't usually see trades in the same division too often in the NFL. But I'm gonna, Okada, I'm going to kick it to you, man. Your thoughts here on this very lucrative signing of Isaiah Ford. 
Well, what's really sad is that it's because the Dolphins know the Patriots aren't going to beat them for the division, so <laughs> they, they don't feel bad trading him. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is great. <laughs> uh, for fantasy, it's not really great, in case you guys didn't catch my sarcasm. For fantasy, uh, there's no – you can't start anyone on the Patriots, not a single person. Except maybe Damian Harris may be yeah. in a good matchup. Yeah. This week. Otherwise, it, you have no idea – Exactly. Mm-hmm. You have no idea who's doing what. Someone random is going to catch all the passes. Someone named Zuber or who knows. It's just disgusting over there. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't have much takeaway from this at all. John, anything on your side of the of the, uh, of the nope. equation? <clears throat> all right, great. Let's move on. Uh, another <laughs> trade involving the Dolphins. We just found out minutes before hopping on the mic. This flew under the radar. I had no idea. Miles Gaskin apparently sprained his MCL. He's going to miss about three weeks recovering from that injury, which is a bummer. Like, he was a bright spot for that team that kind of, I feel like, came out of nowhere, to be honest with you guys, um, and has been a bell cow for that team. But he's going to miss several weeks, and now we're looking at a situation where they have DeAndre Washington on the roster after trading for him. He had previously been a backup in Kansas City. Of course, Le'Veon Bell going there changed things as far as his role, but he lands on a depth chart that's filled with Jordan Howard, and not much else. So your takeaways here for the backfield. We obviously have uh, Tua, which we're going to talk about later. Things are changing quite a bit in Miami. But, I mean, if you have to take one of these guys and say, this is the guy that you want to start for three weeks, I mean, who is it? No one but Matt Breida if you force me. Yeah, I think that there's a reason why Miles Gaskin was beating out Jordan Howard. I liked Jordan Howard in the offseason, thinking that he could carve out a nice little role as the early down goal line guy down there. But Miles Gaskin basically made him irrelevant. So I don't know if Jordan Howard is just looking really slow or, or what's going on there. He's very. To be fair, he always looked really yeah, slow. Yeah, but he's he was productive uh, early in the season yes, for Philly last true. year. Um, and I thought that he could have a similar kind of role like that in Miami. So he must have just really disenfranchised himself from the coaching staff down there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take uh, Breda, uh, who's a little bit more explosive, and kind of see what workload they're going to give him. Yeah, Jordan Howard hasn't been active since week four. He mm-hmm. has not played more than 15% of the snaps in any week. He has not had more than seven carries all year. That came in week one. So, yeah, to me, this is Matt Breda. I actually kind of like Matt Breda. Like, when he's been on the field, especially with the Niners, he's been really productive. He's had some trouble with ankle injuries in the past. But, yeah, I actually kind of well, like to him. Be so fair, I'm intrigued to see what happens. To be fair, every running back is productive in the Kyle Shanahan also, system. Also fast. <laughs> so, let's eh, take that with a little grain of salt. But Shout out to, to, to Michael Hasty. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, by the, the way. in the carousel. He will. He should be up for a pretty good week this week against Green Bay yeah, so. football. Uh, obviously, a very bad run defense. Delvin Cook exposed that last week, which was was fun to watch. But that is the update on the news there. Let's get into a couple injuries, guys. We're gonna start with those Niners. I mean, holy crap! Like literally every good position gracious. group has a significant injury, and now we're talking about Jimmy G potentially being shut down for the year. He of course aggravated that high ankle sprain that he had from earlier in the season in week two. He picked that up. And and now they're saying surgery is probably not on the table, but for an injury like this, my take on the situation is you're going to expect this player to probably be out for eight weeks. It's week nine. So for our purposes, for fantasy, he's essentially done. And so it's all the weeks. weeks. So he is, it is the Nick Mullins show uh, here moving forward. We'll talk about the pass catchers in a minute, 
But then on the the running back situation is also equally banged up, right? We talked about Jamichael Hasty, it's Jarek McKinnon, probably still no Raheem Mostert for another couple of weeks, et cetera, et cetera. And now George Kill is going to miss potentially, you know, the rest of the year, essentially. If they make the playoffs, he could play, but he's going to be out with a broken foot. And I, I'm not going to lie, guys. Like, I was in a really dark place this morning. I have him on so many Dynasty rosters. Just putting him on IR was mm. like, it's like the worst, man. It's absolute worst. Yeah. And so sucks. now we get Nick Mullins to Jordan Reed. Am I right? Let's go. Yes, oh. sir. <laughs> I mean, there are cheap <laughs> players on this team that you can acquire and or pick up on waivers that potentially give you some production in the, the short term. What are you guys' thoughts on Nick Mullins here as a QB2 in Superflex? Low end in good matchups, but that's it because he's got Brandon Ayuk and a few dump offs maybe to these running backs, Kendrick and that's Bourne? pretty much it. Yeah. Kendrick Bourne is going to, he's not going to help make a quarterback. No. You know, he's going to be just fine with a, with a decent quarterback, but. I mean, Mullins has had some good fantasy days in the past couple of years. So, yeah, a low-end QB2 in the right matchup I could feel okay about. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat there. Um, to be fair, Jordan Reed looked fairly decent uh, when Kittle was injured. He had that one, I think it was a two-touchdown game in, like, week two yep. um, or something like that. So, he might be a streaming option at tight end if you're desperate after losing Kittle. Um, but, yeah, this offense is... I mean, it's a, it's a shell of itself. They, they have no one. No one that was no. supposed to be their starter this year. You're looking at a different tight end, <laughs> running back, quarterback, like half the offensive line, uh, half of their wide receivers. Like, the, their offense is just in shambles. So, defensive line, cornerbacks, yeah, safety. Yeah, not, not even mention their defense. The yeah, not even talking about their defense. Solomon Thomas, like all these guys, Bosa, yeah. it's... Yeah, it is rough, rough times if, for San Francisco. They, I think the wheels are about to fall off. I, yeah. I, if I they, they can't somehow, keep it afloat for that much longer. Somehow sneak into the playoffs. I mean, they, put I Kyle Shanahan in the freaking like in Mount Rushmore. Like, yeah, <laughs> oh, coach, coach of the year, oh, for easily, sure. Easily. If that happens, but yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. Also, quick side note by the way, Jordan Reed is in, limited in practice because he's barely coming off his own knee injury. Right. He came off I, uh, IR, I think, right before last week. So, and he's Jordan Reed, so, right. you know, whatever's in the water in San Fran uh, has already been in Jordan Reed's bloodstream for five years. <laughs> um, so it's Ross Dwelly season, is what you're saying. Yeah. Also, as a quick side note, <laughs> I just happened to be on Roto World checking out Jordan Reed, and they waved Dante Pettis today about 20 minutes <laughs> oh! ago. You hate you, to see it. What? Talk about a fall from grace. Get absolutely wrecked. With he was like a seventh round. This. He was like a seventh yes. round redraft pick oh, last year. Gosh. Yep. Yep. Oh, you oh, hate to see it. Man. I didn't see that before we went on. That is It's brand new. That is something else. Wow. Just when you thought you were having a, a bad day. Right. Imagine getting yeah. waved when your team <laughs> is down five of their pass catching options. Oh my gosh. On a more positive note, Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> the king. Huh, Our yes. savior is back. Uh, and, and there the was this debate. The fantasy gods giveth, the fantasy gods taketh. Yes, there was this debate, you know, does do running backs matter? Does Christian McCaffrey matter? Well, Mike Davis in the past two weeks, especially last week and the, last, the week before, like has really cooled off. Um, people were talking about this being potentially a split backfield with Christian McCaffrey and Mike Davis saying that he's earned a role. To me, that is out the window. Christian McCaffrey oh is going to handle all the work he can. 
in a decent matchup this week with Kansas City as far as them being pretty bad against the run. So I'm excited to see what he does in his first week back. I feel relatively confident with CMC just given that, you know, the, the Panthers had the luxury of still winning without him and taking their time. Whereas like with Saquon Barkley last year, you guys recall with that ankle sprain, it was like two or three weeks and they were like, crap, we need you, Saquon. Get out there. And he was close last Thursday. They gave him the extra 10 days. I feel pretty confident in Christian McCaffrey rest of the season. So finally, some positive injury news to talk about there. But before we get into our stock up, stock down, I want to remind everyone about the sponsor of today's show. That is the When System Podcast, W-E-N. My good friend, John Williams, and his buddy, uh, Kevin Veritek. And if you are familiar with baseball, you know that name host this podcast and and the when system essentially is a new way to describe exercises it's hosted by these two exercise professionals the dudes know their stuff they are so so smart and people are tired you know if if you're looking for like a fitness podcast it's basically just bros doing like squats and lunges and bench press not all that garbage like these guys know their stuff they know how to prevent injuries and as a physical therapist like totally support what they're doing so check them out you can find them anywhere you get your podcast if you're listening on, on our podcast which obviously if you're hearing these words, you are <laughs> just, you know, make a mental note, go back as soon as you're done with our show, check out the when system podcast. You definitely won't re- regret it. A fantastic podcast to check out. All right, boys, it is time for stock up stock down. And I, I feel like after that negativity surrounding the injuries and the Patriots being horrible, we got to mm. talk with some positives. So I'm gonna kick it to John for the first stock up player here after week eight. Let's go. So this is someone that we talked about uh, earlier in the season. Um, after his first start at quarterback, rookie Justin Herbert. When he got his first start after that insane punctured lung scenario uh, for for Tyrod Taylor, uh, he got that start against Kansas City. They threw him in at the last second. We came on the pod a few days later, and we're like, you know, he really showed some flashes, made some really good throws. Like, look at that arm. Like, yeah, that that guy could be, like, viable. That's, That's interesting. Yeah, okay, well, that's gone now because here we are entering week nine. Since week four, where do you guys think that he is in terms of quarterback scoring um, overall or on a points-per-game basis? I'll give you guys two cracks at it. QB for one or two. I was going to say QB three. Okay. I'm going to say number – how many – have they played every game since no, then? No, they've before? played four. No, they've only played seven games. I'm going to say number one on a PPG basis. Okay. He's number two on a points per game ah, basis so behind – it'll make you happy. It's your boy, Kyler Murray, who's number one yeah, on a yeah. points per game basis. But he's only played four games. He and Kyler have each played four in that timeline. The guys at the top of overall scoring have both played five. He's the number four quarterback – since week four, and he's down one game on some of those other guys. What he is doing is unbelievable. Not only is he elevating the fantasy stock of all of the options there in that offense, which we love because these are a lot of our guys, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, guys that we love. Um, yeah, I know. That's just Williams. about fainted when I said Mike Williams' name. Um, he's so good, man. Like, just – Throw he's it up, and he's going to come yeah. down with it 90% of the time. He's finally so starting to look like Clemson Mike Williams because he has a quarterback that can actually give him those deep target Max. jump balls that he is so good at. And it's amazing to see. So he's elevating the team around him, uh, except for clock management for the coaching staff, and they can't seem to close the game to save their life. But for fantasy purposes, Herbert's here. Like, he's a thing. Um, you can make an argument that he's the best rookie quarterback in the NFL. Easily. I don't think that it's hard to say that he is outperforming Joe Burrow right now. 
Um, Burrow is doing a lot of really good things in his own right, but Herbert is right there making a great case to be the best fantasy asset as a rookie quarterback. Um, he's here to stay. He's a dynasty quarterback one. Like, it, it, it just is what it is. Um, I don't know exactly where I'd slot him in yet. I haven't gone through and actually done the exercise, but I will find a way to put him in the top 12, potentially around the eight mark when you consider the weapons that he has around him um, and the way that they're utilizing him and the way that he's reading the field, the way that he's just so confident taking deep shots to like Jalen Guyton. It's fantastic to see. I love everything about it. It's finally fun to watch a Chargers game on TV um it's been great i love it the the herbert uh experience is is here to stay and and i'm i'm all in for it he's looked great he's looked yeah actually fantastic like yeah really 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 talented um to answer your question in terms of the dynasty quarterback rankings i have met 10 okay. right now and i was the lowest of the three of us on him preseason so in just mm -hmm. two months mm -hmm. i've completely flipped the switch he's totally changed my mind i have met 10 I'm going to give you a couple names that are around him. You guys give me your preference. Deshaun Watson. Oh, I'll take Watson. Mm. Oh, man. I can't believe Okada's wavering on this. He wants to it. Give me Herbert. Oh. Yeah. You guys know how I feel about Watson. I, I've i been out since the start of the season. All right, fair enough. He's better. He's better right now and younger, and his weapons are better. Uh, uh, what do you want I from love him? it. Fair enough. How about Ryan Tannehill? Oh, I'll take Herbert over Tanny. Herbert. Carson Wentz. Go the other direction. Herbert. Herbert. Dak Prescott. Dak. Unless you are absolutely guaranteed a playoff berth and are probably a top two team and you know you have a good chance to win the championship this year. Fair mm, enough. Yeah. Uh, long. We're talking long term? Um, yeah, dynasty overall right? dynasty. Then if... Like if Dak is coming back to Dallas, then yeah, I'll take Dak. But I, which we don't, which know. we don't know. There's some serious question marks there, which has to be factored in. So the fact that you know that you have Herbert and they just extended uh, Keenan Allen before the season, gave him a four-year contract, I think it was. Um, Mike Williams, I think, still has two more years. Um, they just extended Eckler for a couple seasons, so he's like locked and loaded with. That line is very solid from a contract standpoint. The weapons are all locked in. Like, it's this core. It's going to be this group for, like, at least probably three more seasons. I think for the stability's sake, you can you can make a case for, for Herbert over Dak. All right, fair enough. Last one, Tua. I got him back-to-back -back in my oh, ranks. Oh, man. Herbert by a hair. Yeah, I'm going to go Herbert right now. Yep, I'm in the same spot. I got one part, one spot apart, so I love them both. He's but... earned it. He's earned yeah, it. Yeah, he's looked great, so I'm with you on that. Um, real quick, Okada, let's just check in on your preseason Hunter Henry projections. How are those doing? <laughs> Eight weeks in the about halfway to 4,000 yards. <laughs> yeah, listeners, if you missed it, in oh, August we were going man. through our projections, talking oh, through each division, gosh. and Okada was like nutty for Hunter Henry, which, to be fair, if, if the quarterback play was going to be this good, you would project Hunter Henry to do anything. But meanwhile, he's yeah. just like out there running around, like not even getting targeted and doing anything with it. So, yeah, we're, we're getting close to that 1,200 yards, Okada. We'll get there soon. Yep. <laughs> All right, man. Feeling it. Back to you. Who is your stock up player after week eight? Uh, all right. I really don't want to say this. It hurts me inside, yeah, it and I feel slightly sick. 
And I'm not willing to go too high with it, but you cannot deny that the stock is up for Corey Davis. He had what, what, arguably his best game in years, maybe one of the best games of his career last week. Eight catches on 10 targets for 128 yards and a touchdown. It was his second straight game with 10 targets. He's had five plus in every game that he's played. And he's had a touchdown in three of his last four. And he just looks good. Like, besides the fact that he was the best receiver for the Titans on Sunday, he looks really good. It can't be denied. He's pulling a Devontae Parker on us. We we all wanted it for years. He sucked. They went out and got somebody new that we were sure was going to replace him, and he did for a year in A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown is still great and producing well for fantasy, but all of a sudden, Corey Davis is also producing. His quarterback is extremely efficient and productive and reliable in Ryan Tannehill. The offense as a whole is humming this team is good, and Corey Davis is playing well enough on it that he's going to be startable, it seems like, in the near term. Now, he's only played five games, so it's a relatively small sample size, and last week was the only like true blow-up game. He did also have 101 yards in week one. So, I'm not here saying, like, oh my goodness, Corey Davis is back to being a wide receiver too. Oh my goodness, A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are the next Julio Jones and Roddy White, <laughs> or anything like that. All I'm saying is... I had pretty much given up on Corey Davis, as I think had most of the Dynasty community coming into this season. And I think we have to be willing to say he is not only a player you want on your roster, he is a player you probably want to start in the near term unless we see this trend reverse. Can, can I say something? Um, yeah, sure. So, A. Brown, who has played five games, has 356 mm -hmm. yards for five touchdowns on 27 receptions. Corey Davis, who has played five games, has 369 yards on 29 receptions and three <laughs> touchdowns. Their stat lines so oh, far this wow, season wow, wow. are basically identical, except A.J. Brown is just edging him in touchdowns. Like, that that's it. So all of the preconceived notions in terms of what you had about A.J. Brown being an absolute stud, and we all love him. We do. And Corey Davis being, like, a very, very distant second fiddle to A.J. Brown, the stats aren't showing that right now. I, I think that these two are going to be really close in terms of their overall production over the course of the season. And one of them is going to cost you probably like two first-round picks, and the other you can probably get for a second right now. So, mm. yeah, Corey Davis is viable. And it's weird, but it's like he finally got on the same page with the quarterback now that he has someone that he trusts. Um, and that trusts him. Got yeah, confidence. got his confidence back. Because he did have some weird confidence issues going. But he's playing with that confidence and that swagger. And he's producing. And it's going really well for him. Yeah. I think we had the same conversation after week one. And we were like, what What are we doing? And if I recall correctly, John, I think you on the podcast said, I saw this. And something changed. And I said, I'm going to go get him for a second. And Is I did. that correct? Or am I making nope, that up? No, I did that. That was a trade that I made in, I think, three leagues. I got him for a second. And yeah. I am... So if you blah, blah, blah. need help predicting the future, John is the guy. <laughs> um, no, I like you. It. know, you guys want to know who I got for a second who? in my leagues that I'm competing? Who that? Andy Dalton. <laughs> Good job. Dude, a, Proud of you. Redraft Superflex oh. League. <laughs> I I dropped like sixty dollars of fab to get him. I was oh like, like gosh. he's not that bad. He's gonna be fine. Like <laughs> my team is just toast in that league. So, yeah, you win some, you lose some. By but the way, side do you guys side think, side note on we I got yeah. just 
poor Andy Dalton is having such a bad few weeks. Oh, are you talking? Yeah. Like, are you kidding? It's so Between the, the hit, the concussion, and now he's on the COVID nineteen list. Like, oh, dude, Andy. Like, yeah, that's rough. Rough, rough. Blow. That is rough. Do you guys think? I know they they declined his fifth year option, right? For Corey Davis. Do you think he's back with Tennessee next year, based off what we've seen? Yeah. I think yes. So. I think that unless he has like a monster rest of this year where another team feels like they have to go sign him as a big wide receiver one free agent signing, that it's most likely that he'll be back with a team that has kind of groomed him to this point and finally gotten the the production out of him that they were hoping for. Yeah, I think that they see the value in him as being a great second option um, in that offense. And uh, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think that he's going to produce well enough to go get like a massive contract somewhere else where they're going to price out you know, what Tennessee's willing to give him. Um, so I think that the odds are that, yeah, he's probably back. All right, boys. From Corey Davis to arguably the dynasty wide receiver one. Now, I put this out in my rankings today. Ooh. I moved him up to three. And previously, when we had this conversation, I was like, I don't know. I see him in like that five to 10 range. Anywhere in there to me is fair game. But I just can't stop moving up my rankings because on a weekly ba- basis, what DK Metcalf is doing is like Calvin Johnson 2.0. Yes. And that sounds like mm. super inflammatory to say like, oh, this is a hot take. It's a huge name. But there's no one in the NFL that can cover him. There's no one that is athletic as athletic as him at the wide receiver position that has that size that has the quarterback that he has. I mean, it just checks all the boxes. And don't get me wrong. I still absolutely love Tyler Lockett. I still think he's a top 15 wide receiver mm-hmm. rest of the season. But DK Metcalf, to me, you know, we're going to look ahead in, in a few months when the calendar turns to 2021 and we're doing startup drafts, like DK Metcalf is going to go in the first round, hands yep. down, correct? Mm-hmm. So knowing that, I'm going out in my leagues, I'm doing whatever it takes to get DK Metcalf. I will overpay right now because in six months, it's going to look like an extreme value. So to me, stock way up. I don't know if it can keep going up, but we'll see each week. Play with DK Metcalf or with uh, Russell Wilson, excuse me. It's just unreal, man. I mean... God, he said, take your three cone and shove it. <laughs> he looks so, so good out there. I'm excited about DK Metcalf. Do you guys think he is the wide receiver one in Dynasty? Because that's the talk of the town nowadays. It's got to still be Devontae Adams for me, I think. I agree. Mainly because Devontae Adams has a similar floor, although almost no one has the floor that DK Metcalf had, which is so weird. But Adams has put up multiple gigantic, Gantor games, and so that's just maybe what has him as, as a slight edge. Honestly, you you send Tyler Lockett to the Packers and Marquez Mathis <laughs> Gantling to the Seahawks, and it's DK Metcalf because the only reason Metcalf is not having those games is because Tyler Lockett is having those games every other week. So it's it's Adams, and then it's a toss up from there on. I love it. Um, listen, I I don't tend to value youth too much when it comes to dynasty rankings, like there's a lot of people I know that are really quick on the trigger to move the young guys way up because of the youth side. Like it factors in so heavily, but right now I'm getting basically the same production out of DK Metcalf as I am out of any other wide receiver in the NFL, anyone, anybody. And he's 22. He's yeah, turns 23 in December. He's, like, yeah. are you kidding? Like, to be 22 and to have emerged as fast as he has and to have just completely skyrocketed, 
taking the league by storm. Nobody can cover him. Screw your nine routes. It's not that. Okada, what was the thing that you put out about the, the six routes? Uh, him and Tyler Lockett are the only players in the NFL with a touchdown on six different routes. Yes, it's not just your goes and your post and your corner for DK Metcalf. He's getting the ball in other ways. He's learning how to be a polished NFL wide receiver, how to run routes, how to leverage defenders. He's doing it exceptionally well. And once he gets the ball, he is a freight train at his size, moving at that speed, that slant route that he caught last weekend against San Francisco. We were talking about it before we went on the air. Should have been like a 15 to 20 yard gain. There were like three defenders that were in position where 99% of the wide receivers in the league it would have been like catch two stops in your tackle and and that's it. But somehow he goes, no, I'm just going to change course. I'm going to go around you. Got a great block from Tyler Lockett downfield, by the way. And then just blazes up the sideline. You can't catch him. It's ridiculous. I'm screw it. He's my dynasty wide receiver one. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm putting I was him hoping in. that would come out <laughs> right after you said I'm putting him uh, I like it I mean another, another thing to, worth mentioning Russell Wilson is only 31 oh, yeah. he's about to turn he's 32 still got left. Uh, but yeah he, he, we got 7 more years of this at least at, at least, least. <laughs> maybe 12 with the way quarterbacks are right. aging these days it's crazy yeah he's unreal man he's uh, we got to move on, but I, I don't want to because he's just so... First so and foremost, I would just um, like to say that I'm really happy that you guys came around. Thank you for joining me I mean, how on my DK not? Metcalf love. He's disgusting. If there's anyone out there doubting this guy, then A, you're not watching the games, and B, you're just True. a silly, silly fool. Um, I am excited to watch him, though. I know, this is not my what to watch for segment, which we're going to talk about, but I'm very excited to see him with the quote-unquote gauntlet of cornerback ones with Tredavious White this week, yep. Jalen Ramsey in Week 10, Patrick Peterson in week 11, who he's already faced. Pat P is the only one that is Darius slowing down. Slay in so week 12. Far. And then James Bradbury in week 13. So he's the wide receiver one that they're going to cover. It, they can't stop him, though. It's going to be so, so fun to watch. Yes. All right. That is a lot of positivity for the evening. Let's get negative. Let's talk about players whose stock is down that we're saying, uh, what the hell you say to me? What is going on? <laughs> John, back to you, man. What do you got? Yeah, um, over the last few years, there has been a running back that has been remarkably consistent um, for his PPR value, his pass-catching prowess, um, everything about it. We absolutely loved him. Um, we thought that he would be around, like, running back 14 and one of the most, you know, screaming values in all the fantasy football this offseason, uh, James White. And he apparently just doesn't exist anymore. I don't know... What happened, Um, especially when they're down all of these pass catchers in that offense, like he's the best pass catcher that they have left. Like he's he's the guy that should be getting just a ton of checkdowns and quick routes and things out of the backfield. Get the ball out of Cam's hands, like make it easy on Cam Newton, things like that. And for whatever reason, he's just completely non-existent right now. Um, I'm pulling up his game log right now, but last week... He had two carries for no yards. Um, he had two receptions on four targets, and, and and that was it. He got 35 yards out of it, so okay, whoop de do 5.5 fantasy points. Um, what happened? Like, where is this guy that was a 70, 80 reception a year running back 
Was it just because of Tom Brady? I didn't think that the play calling would change because it's still the same system, theoretically, but they've completely changed their system with the change at quarterback. Um, and even though he's one of the best pass-catching options that they have on that team and their offense is going completely anemic, James White is still absolutely nowhere to be found. He's, like, ungradable at this point. Like, you kind of look at him and you're like, I don't know what he's not a wide receiver two or running back two or a three. Um, he's just, like, uh, not. He's just a dude out he's, there. He's, he's just a waiver <laughs> he wire. He and Hunter Henry are just running around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just waiver wire fodder at this point and, and hasn't given fantasy managers anything to be excited about at all this year. I don't know what happened, man. I feel like it was one of my biggest misses, and all of us were, were all thinking the same thing about yep. him going into the season. And uh, boy, has he stunk. Uh, I blame Cam Newton. Because Cam Newton stinks, which I tried to tell Bill. Oh, did he not answer your call? Not only does he stink, he did not answer my call. But specifically, I, I don't know where Cam Newton learned how to throw football. But he looks <laughs> like he, he looks like he thinks that the football weighs 50 pounds every time he's going to throw. He like spreads his legs extra wide, gets his whole torso into it, his arms all spread out. Freaking chucks it, <laughs> and it's oh my god! First of you need to be watching on YouTube the to see description of what just happened. And if you're not watching on YouTube, you know you're doing it wrong. You are doing it wrong. <laughs> it is horrific, and it does not bode well when you're trying to target a running back because the ball, spoiler alert, does not weigh 50 pounds. And so every time Cam Newton throws it, thinking it does, it's off target or skipping in the dirt or who knows what. Absolute garbage. I can't explain it. It is very sad for all James White owners, which includes me in several places, because I, like you, John, believed that he would get eight targets a game, and it's been yes. horrific. It doesn't make sad any sense. No. When you have Jacoby Myers operating currently as your wide receiver one slash two alongside Demir freaking Bird, you would think <laughs> that James White would be utilized as the slot receiver right. or just playing like 65% of the snaps instead of like 35% of the snaps and seeing like four opportunities a game. I, I, it doesn't make sense. I, I'm just confused. I, I wish I had an answer, an explanation as to what, like what's going on, but we just don't have any idea. And yeah, at this point is dynasty value is essentially non-existent. I mean, are you guys even willing to go out and get him for like a late third or something to try to get like a depth running back for the playoff run? Or is it just like, what's the point? If I knew it was a late third, I might do it because I think he's still as good a player as anyone you're probably going to get right. in the late third if you even hit. But yeah, it's. Yeah. I'd rather do a fourth. Right. And that's so sad because this is a guy that, you know, I would have easily given yep. a second for in the offseason. And I think I did yep. in a couple places. Probably, probably did. did too. Um, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> whoopsie. Um,. Yeah, it's, it's just so bizarre. I, I don't know that I would do a third for him right now. Like, it's just a wasteland in New England, and I feel like Bill doesn't know what to do. Like, you guys remember watching the old Disney movie Miracle, the, the hockey movie? And oh, yes. in, mm -hmm. in the all-time all classic. classic. And, and in the final scene where it's the U.S. versus uh, the USSR, mm. where the head coach looks over yes, looks over at the head coach for Russia and they're like, why aren't they pulling his goalie? He's like, because he doesn't know what to do. They've never been down. <laughs> that is what's going on right now with Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Fact. He doesn't know Great what job. to do. 
He has no <laughs> idea. He's not pulling his goalie. Like, at this uh, point, you got to pull your goalie, dude. You've got two wins on the entire season. It's time to pull the goalie. They didn't do anything at the trade deadline except go out and get a, another forward. number three wide receiver. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Bill doesn't know what to do right now. So they are spiraling the drain. I'm sorry, Okada. Like, you've had you've had two decades of excellence. You can deal. They're spiraling <laughs> the train. Fine. Also, my second favorite team and player is Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, and that's going well, very well. Good job. So I'm so glad helps. for you. Um, they're not sure what to do right now, and I feel like at some point, Bill's going to have to, like, blow this thing up, like, in a big way if they're going to kind of rebuild it. Um, I don't know. So I So – Long story short, I don't want to buy into James White right now because I have no idea what's going on with that Patriots franchise. If he's still going to be there next season, what this is going to look like and what his value is on another roster. So I, I'm kind of just, no, no, thank you. I'm very disenfranchised right now with uh, with James White. Yeah, fair enough. He's also almost 29, which is yeah. kind of that age where running backs tend to fall off in production anyway. So, yeah, I was just curious to get your guys' thoughts, but um, I'm definitely out. All right, Okada, over to you, man. What are you watching? Or what are you? Uh, what are you looking for here as far as a oh. stock down player in week? Wow, nine? wow! You want to talk about a roller coaster of stocks? This player has probably seen one of the largest roller coasters of stocks this season overall, from beginning to now, and it is quarterback Josh Allen. Because over the first four weeks of the season, guys, Josh Allen was averaging 30 fantasy points a game. He was the number three quarterback in the NFL behind only MVP slash greatest quarterback ever, Russell Wilson, and 700 yards a game, Dak Prescott. And after four weeks of that, we, everybody was saying, oh, okay, he, he has arrived. Uh, Over the first couple weeks, it was like, Okay, Josh Allen's playing a little better, but I still think he's a pretty bad quarterback that is just maybe going to be okay for fantasy. And then after four straight weeks of it, it was like, this guy is a legitimate quarterback, NFL and fantasy. He is going to be a top three dynasty quarterback for the next decade. I am locked in. And then, over the last four games, he's averaged half 15 fantasy points a game. Half of his average over the first four weeks. He's down to the 23rd quarterback in the NFL in fantasy over that span. The Bills have lost two of those four, and the other two were not that convincing of wins over the Jets, and we just talked about terrible Patriots. I don't know what is going on with him. He has gone back to looking not great. He's been making bad throws. His rushing is not making up for it like it used to. Last week, let's let's just quickly check in on the stats, shall we? Nope. He had a rushing touchdown, which saved his fantasy day, kind of, but only really made him okay. He would have been in single digits but if passing, it wasn't for the touchdown. Yes. Passing 11 completions, 154 yards, no TDs, one pick. That is not going to do it for a QB1. I don't care how well you're running, and he's not running that well. Only 23 yards, and he managed to get the score to make his week mildly okay. I don't know, like, I don't know where we sit now with Josh Allen because we got up to the number two or three uh, dynasty quarterback, legitimate NFL uh, franchise guy after thinking in the offseason he was, I don't know, maybe a QB one, not really a franchise guy, but 
with the special scheme of Buffalo, they could get by and get some wins and win a division and things like that. And now, I don't know, are we back down to that? Are we somewhere in between? Where is he? Is he actually good? I don't know. All I know is his stock is way down from week four. It's wild. Ugh. This is the Josh Allen Speechless, experience. You guys. <laughs> because in my head, yeah. I, I can't not like envision what he did in the first three weeks. Like, Because I know that that's what he True. can be. But if we're being honest with ourselves, we need to look at the matchups, right? Yeah. It was the Jets. It was the Dolphins. That was baked into his preseason evaluation of like, oh, in the first couple of weeks, if you draft him in redraft, he's going to smash. And I'm living that experience. I have him on several rosters. And I've just said, you know what? I got my guy for the season. But... This is what Josh Allen is, I think, at this point. We know that he's going to have these spike weeks, which is great. He's also going to have some down weeks where you're like, Josh, what are you doing? And that's the player he is. We've seen him with the, the laterals in the playoff games, just like erratically oh, crazy. Oh, that, that Houston game but was... That was an all-timer right there. But still, when we're talking about real-life NFL, it's a completely different conversation than fantasy because I still think... There's room for Josh Allen to grow, clearly, and I think he's still going to run a ton. So I'm not that worried about what we've seen here. Um, maybe he's not in the dynasty top five conversation the way he was in the first few weeks. But to me, like he's still locked into the top 10, no questions asked, right? For me, yeah. Yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Still locked into the top 10. I might even still say locked into the top I'd be eight. Buying, yeah. I'd, I'd be trying to buy right now. I'd be trying to buy him low. Me too. Um, oh, if yeah. You get a, if you get a panicked if manager. People are will, if there, people are reacting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, also, he does get the Seahawks this week. He's not in our what to watch for, but if he doesn't blow up against them, it's full red alarms. If he does, we're going to feel like, okay, thank you, Josh, for being back. After that, though, it's not, it's a bye and then, or a Cardinals bye and not that many easy matchups, if any. Yeah, I think also something that should be kind of baked into our analysis here of this massive pendulum swing that he's gone on in terms of his production was the easy matchups early, yes. But then they had the COVID situation um, where they had the rescheduled game for Tennessee. So they come back off a weird scheduling thing uh, in a really rainy game against a pretty good team in Tennessee. Um, And then they've had basically crap weather the last two weeks also. So maybe that's part of it. Like maybe that's, that's something that should be kind of taken a little bit into consideration, not hugely, but it could be a factor. So Maybe we're going to see things kind of like balance out a little bit more from the super, super high early to the basically garbage for the last couple of weeks and get back to something a little bit more right in the middle. Fair enough. All right. The player that I am quite worried about is a man who has a tattoo on his stomach that says feed me. <laughs> and it is Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, gosh. That's red flag number one. Right? Number two... <laughs> Yeah, that's the biggest talking point. Um, He has been in the league now for five years. This is his fifth year in the NFL. And I think people still get this idea that, like, you know, Zeke is locked up for several years, which he is with the contract. And he's only 25, so he's not like he's, like, super old by any means. I'm not saying any of those things, but are we overvaluing Ezekiel Elliott? Because the offense in general right now is just, I mean, you can't even put into words, like, what it is. We don't even know who the quarterback is with Andy Dalton, obviously, on the COVID list. Ben DiNucci, shout out to JMU. Ben DiNucci, not it. I I mean, you know, they haven't. They they scored one touchdown since Dak Prescott's ankle injury, which was several weeks ago. So, if you're valuing Ezekiel Elliott as a still top five dynasty running back, 
I have genuine questions about that and concerns. I do not have him valued that way mm. because not only is is the season in general this year like like what is he like? Is he an RB two rest of the season? Would you guys say with this offense? Mm. Like high end, low end. I was gonna say high end RB two, like probably in the twelve to like sixteen range. Yeah. I mean, I can't rank him lower uh, than that just because he's like he is a good running back. But there's red flags is. that are kind of lingering in the background. Like we don't know who the quarterback is next year. We also don't know what the offensive line is going to look like because a lot of these guys are coming off of really significant injuries. And oh, by the way, this is now going to be next year his sixth NFL season. Running backs just don't last that long anymore. So to me, like if Zeke has a good game, I'm trying to get out. If I'm not a contender, I'm getting out and I'm trying to cash out as soon as possible. I'm a little worried. And also, Tony Pollard, man, he looks good. Pollard's good. He looks really good, actually, behind the same offensive line. So, he looks a lot more Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm down on Zeke. Yeah, he does. What are you guys' thoughts? It's tough because even if he has a good game, his manager is going to be thinking, most likely, well, Dak is going to come back next year and this Cowboys offense is not going to be a hot mess, and so I don't want to undersell. So I feel like you're probably still just going to get him around where he's going to be valued, and I don't know if that's going to be a value. But if you're not contending, so you don't need him for the rest of this year, and you believe that he can be a low-end RB1 for the next couple years after that, which I think he can, I could see sending certainly a first plus. Yes. Oh, you'd have to send two first to get. Yeah, you'd have to send two to get get Zeke. If if I'm a Zeke manager, I would take that. Yeah, I think that I would too. You would take it? I would. As in you would I would I would if I'm I if I had Zeke, first. I would take two first. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. All right, perfect. It's tough, yeah. I mean it's <laughs> I was hoping I could do it for a first. It's a, or a, second, it's a really hard situation. No, you'd have to go. Yeah, more. you're gonna have to spend more for Zeke because of the name value and because they're just gonna say, Well, this is a weird year because Dax hurt and they'll get right next season. Like that's gonna be the narrative around around yeah. this. Um I'm not going out and actively buying Zeke. Um if I have him and I'm not contending, then yeah, I think that I'm selling. Um, it's tough. I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I think the volume should be there to to support him being in the 15, 12 to 15 range, rest of the season, like you would think. But at the same time, with running backs, it's fickle. When when the fall off happens, the fall off happens in a big way. And I'm not saying it's necessarily because of like him or his talent, but the situation plays a, a big role into that. And if the situation isn't there and it isn't this perfect little ecosystem like it has been for him throughout his career so far with the absolutely elite offensive line that he's had. I don't know. It's tough. Um, it, it could be a downward spiral um, in a hurry. Yeah. I want to give one more stat before we move on from Zeke. I just pulled up PFF's elusive rating, which is a combination of missed tackles and yards after contact and a minimum of 75 carries. He's coming in quite low. Around the likes of Miles Gaskin. Perhaps you've heard of Frank Gore. Oh. Malcolm Brown. <laughs> Raheem Mostert. Woof. Joshua Kelly. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm worried. Um, that's just one piece of the equation, though, of course. But let's move on. We gotta wrap this up here relatively quickly. Okada's got places to be. He's just super, super popular mm. these days. We're gonna talk about what we're looking for Bigger, here deal, huh? in week nine. We'll go around the horn. John, you're up first, man. What do you got? Yeah, um, I can't believe they're already entering week nine. That's absolutely absurd to me. We're past the halfway point uh, down the home stretch. But um, here going into week nine, um, man, 
Lamar Jackson, are you the reigning MVP or not? Like, what happened to you? Um, his passing attempts per game are down. His rushing attempts per game are down. His rushing yards per game are down. Um, this weekend, they get the Colts defense, which um, seems to be like a little bit of a mirage. Like, they're almost uh, on paper stronger than I think that they really are. So I want him to come out and and win this game, but do it handily and show that you're still worthy of being a top three dynasty quarterback for fantasy purposes and that it wasn't just a one-year flash in the pan where the league didn't know what to do with you and that now everyone's adjusted, which we talked about in the offseason. We thought that that would happen. These defensive coordinators are good. They know how to scheme. And they were going to scheme some of this out. And we saw some regression coming off the greatest rushing season ever by a quarterback. But you would still hope that it'd be good. Like right now, it's just not even good. It's bad. He's like quarterback 17 since week four, I think is the number off the top of my head. It's it's a middle quarterback too. Um, guys like Ryan Tannehill have more fantasy points than Lamar Jackson. So are you or are you not a fantasy and real life MVP Prove it this weekend. Go do something. Give me a reason to believe that you're still worthy of being in that upper echelon. I agree. We need to see it from from Lamar. It's been a weird year so far. All right, Okada, what are you looking for this week? These are facts. Uh, I'm looking for Tua Tungavailoa in a what I think could be fun and exciting game against the Cardinals. Hopefully more fun and exciting than last week's games against the Rams. What was that? We did not we did not get to see Tua do anything because he started off with a nice first quarter touchdown. Oh, look at this. Tua's pretty good. Looks like he's got a, a nice fantasy future. And then a fumble return for a touchdown, a punt return for a touchdown, a fumble recovery on the one, I believe, that Gaskin ran in for a touchdown. All of a sudden, the Dolphins are up 28-7 to before halftime, and Tua didn't have to do anything. And really didn't do anything. So we didn't get to see much from him at all from a fantasy standpoint. They still won the game and handedly, which is what they care about. So that's certainly good. But I don't think they're going to be able to pull that off against the Cardinals. It's very unlikely. (laughs) Because what the Dolphins did was was, not going to happen against anyone again for any team. That was crazy. So I expect a game where two is going to have to throw because the Cardinals are good. They're going to be up. Kyler Murray is going to be... If Tua can keep up, it's going to be a shootout because Kyler Murray is capable of putting up points. We know that. So I want to see that happen and see what Tua can do in a full-blown, I-have-to-pass-carry-this-offense game, especially since Gaskin is going to be out. They're running with DeAndre Washington and guys who've been sitting behind Miles Gaskin. So I think I hope that it falls on his shoulders, and if it does... I hope that he steps up and takes the mantle. Yeah, first first and foremost, uh, shout out to younger brother Talia Tungavailoa getting his first college start at quarterback last weekend against Minnesota Ooh. and going for over 400 all-purpose yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, there's another Tungavailoa okay. to pay attention to. But I'm with you. I think that's going to be interesting. Um, Miami defense is also very sneaky. Like, they, they're very sneaky good. I think they're the number one scoring defense in the NFL. They're, they're top three, I think. They're number one. Yes, they yeah, are. They're, no, they're number after, one now. The Ravens after that, were, after but that game. Um, they're sneaky good. So, I don't think that Kyler's got Crazy. just like a cakewalk. I love what Brian Flores is building down there. We talked about it all offseason. 
We love it. Our little prediction of yep. uh, them being a playoff team is looking mighty fine right now, got to say. Ah, so, oh. yeah, I'm with you. I want to see Tua cut it loose. Um, I'm also, like, piggybacking off of that. I'm curious to see if this is a Mike Gusecki game um, with Arizona sucking. Yes. Against, probably not. Probably but Arizona be. sucked <laughs> against the tight end so bad last season. Can we get some Mike Gusecki action with Tua? That would be Come really amazing. For the love of God, can we get some Mike Kosicki, Hunter Henry reception? Him and Hunter Henry, yes. Oh, what the two heck? tight ends, like his only two, my guys. Yes. Yep. <laughs> you hate to see it. You hate to see it. 100%. I am watching for Mr. DeAndre Swift. Now, there is a man with a less good beard. I don't know how to say that. A worse beard. That was not English. Worse beard than John coaching for the Lions, who does not know what to do with his running back situation. Oh, man. Mr. Patricia, can we please get DeAndre Swift the ball? I'm encouraged based off what we saw last week, and it's not because he was getting a ton of carries and all these targets, but this week, something changed. Here's the snap count for DeAndre Swift for the past month of the season. 9%. You hate to see it. 38%. 38%. What the heck is that? 45%. Okay, we're turning in the right direction. 62% of the snaps last week. Let's go. Adrian Peterson, 20%. Carry on Johnson, 18%. If this continues, the ceiling for DeAndre Swift is massive, especially with Kenny Galladay out. We've talked about it a ton. When alpha wide receivers miss games, the vacated targets often go to the running back position. So for the love of God, Matt Patricia, can we get DeAndre Swift the ball? That's what I'm watching for this week because he has... His skill set's awesome, but they just won't give him the ball, even though he's on the field. So stop letting him run around. Stop letting him just run routes for no reason. Throw him the ball. John is like if Matt Patricia started working out and grooming his beard more correctly and knew how to handle yes. fantasy <laughs> So let's just put him in. I'll, I'll coach that. I'll uh, coach yes, that I agree. I like this like a lot. lot it's easy. What Throw I'm it saying. To and give it to uh, DeAndre Swift was my was my favorite running back mm-hmm. pre-draft. So I would love to see him get the full-blown opportunity that he should get, especially since certain other running backs who were my favorite running backs post-draft have been massively disappointing. We're not going to talk about that today. We don't need to name names. <laughs> hey, at least we know now he has an ankle injury. True. So like, that's at least the saving grace for our boy JT. Yes. We're yes, talking about Jonathan yes. Taylor, guys. Um, but to that but effect, though, yes, um, although JT was my one, Swift was my two as well. I really like Swift as a prospect coming out. Um, if he can get a stranglehold on this backfield and make the other ones go away um, and get some good workload coming, and what he's shown in the passing game, which is what we thought coming out, that he'd be a good pass catcher, um, yeah, he's got a really high ceiling. These rookie running backs this year are just taking a while to get going, and I think that we're going to start to see – Yep, Zach, Zach Moss, Moss, J.K. Dobbins, big breakout against Pittsburgh yep. of all defenses. Um, so let's just keep that ball rolling and get more production out of these rookie running backs this week. Yes, I'm here for it. All right, fellas, great show. We will close it out there. We are on to week nine, which is absolutely crazy to say. Um, if you like what you're hearing, Ew. please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. It helps us out a ton. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow these two hooligans if you want to at Matt Okada and at Dynasty Beard. You can find me at the Fantasy PT. Good luck in week nine. Until next time, you're the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Dynasty Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out BallBlastFootball.com for all things fantasy football.